Cascade Hoops Talk, Billy D. Join us on Twitter, Cascade Hoop Talk. Today we have Charlie Warner from Grace College. Uh, this all-league player was named Academic All-American, boasting a four-point GPA while majoring in accounting. Charlie Warner played all four years at Grace and posted some impressive numbers. He scored almost 1,500 points in his career. And listen to this, he shot an eye-popping 48.5% from behind the arc during his career. Hey, this guy can flat shoot the ball. Welcome, Charlie. Th uh, thank you for being on the show today. Hey, Bill, thanks for having me. Charlie, you played high school basketball at Westfield. That's just there north of Indianapolis, and that's a real hotbed for high school basketball. Fishers, Carmel, Zionsville's all right there. Talk about growing up in that area and how big a deal is high school basketball. Oh, it's a huge deal here because in like in the Indianapolis area, you got a tons of Division I caliber athletes, even if they weren't necessarily D1 basketball players. You, you play against Division I football players, who played uh, high school basketball. So, I mean, just in the area, you've got Carmel, you have Hamilton Southeastern, you've got Fishers, Zionsville, um, Noblesville. I mean, you have, you have a lot of talent around the area. And I think uh, one of the misconceptions is in this area, like if you don't go to Division One, then maybe you aren't that good of a basketball player. But as you can see, like the NAI, the NCAA Division Two, you have a lot of talent that came from this area who are now um, – competing in those leagues so no you grow up playing against guys like ryan klein gary harris was here you had just a ton of ton of division one talent and it's just that kind of prepares you for what like crossroads league basketball is about it's just there really are no night offs in uh, in the crossroads or in, in this area in high school basketball when did you decide that you wanted to play college basketball yeah i uh i think you kind of always have the, I always had those aspirations growing up, but once I hit eighth grade, I would say it was just, it was one of those things where uh, my parents and I sat down and talked about what is it going to take for, for me to get from point A to point B. And that, and that is uh, to play college basketball. And that's kind of when I would say I started putting in maybe extra work in the off season that um, a lot of guys were, multiple sports once I hit eighth grade I was I started shooting after practice I started uh working out then I would say from there on I was pretty dead set on trying to play college basketball I graduated at Westfield talk about your decision to attend Grace to play basketball the, the college recruiting process was it was it was hard for me because I had nothing locked in prior to my senior season and great, schools like Grace, Taylor, Marion, those Crossroads League schools, they kind of came in late my senior year around uh, January, February. And so Grace kind of came in late. And so while I'm playing the end of my senior season, I'm kind of visiting Taylor and Grace and, and Marion. But then my decision to choose Grace kind of boiled down to some of the people I met. Uh, I, I still remember I was uh, I was sitting in my bed and, Coach Moore texts me at like 10 p.m. and I'm about to go to bed. He's like, "Can you come up for a visit tomorrow?" Basically, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I can't, I don't really want to do this. It's, it's too late." But I, there was something that was saying to me like, "Just just give it a try. Don't close any doors yet." So I go by visit, meet some great people, and um, that's kind of how my decision was made. So you you got to Grace, and you know you were able to play quite a bit in your freshman year. 
talk about that freshman year and you know what you learned about basketball, college basketball, and kind of what you learned about yourself as well. Yeah, absolutely. So freshman year, the Grace team had lost like five seniors. So Coach Moore, Coach K are telling Jarrett, Braxton, and I, look, you might kind of get you might get thrown in the fire here playing quite a few minutes as a freshman. I think I averaged about, I think, around 20 minutes per game. And so one of the few takeaways I had was just how much quicker the game was and how much more intentional teams were about scoring in transition and uh, getting shots up early. Like when you play against Bethel, who's playing in the hundreds, that is completely different than how um, I was used to playing against Carmel when we played them, it was last time I played in my senior year, it was in like the thirties, low forties. <laughs> and so it's a complete adjustment. Like I remember Stephen Halstead was a, a junior at the time and I was a freshman and he's like, Charlie, like if you get any kind of room to shoot a three, you have to shoot it. And that's not really what you're taught in high school. High school, you kind of talk, work, work the ball, get a good shot. Whereas in college in the crossroads league, any three-pointer that you can kind of get off, if you're a good shooter, that is a good shot for the team. So that was the technical adjustments I had to make in my game was if I can, if I get a good look with the percentages that a lot of the guys shoot in the crossroads league, you got to take that shot. So your freshman year, you uh, and you, you did, you played 20 minutes your freshman year. You went 36 for 66. You were over 50% from three as a freshman in the crossroads. That was kind of unheard of. You know, were you amazed at yourself how well you could shoot just coming out of high school? I would say, just speaking as a shooter, I would say over 50% is surprising. That's kind of uncommon. But I've always like I've always felt confident as a three-point shooter. And what the interesting thing was, I actually shot it poorly as a senior um, in high school. I shot 29%, but the year before, I shot close to 50. I was around 49, I think. And so to shoot over 50 in college was, yes, that's pretty uncommon. But also at the same time, I felt, I felt like I had the ability to shoot in the mid, mid to high 40s uh, from three. And the shots that I took coming off the bench were knock, uh, catch and shoot, knock down, uh, open three. So that those were the looks I got, and that's kind of the, the shots I prepared for in my in my own time so that's kind of what I expected a little bit yeah I'm kind of guessing as a freshman you weren't the, obviously the work you weren't the first option uh, on the floor so you probably got a couple more open looks than you did later in your career it was a different role because in high school you're very used to being one of one of the option one or two um, and then in college I was like the seventh eighth and I was really playing off Eric Bowen Logan Godfrey setting me up and so, honestly, it took a lot of ways. It took a lot of pressure off myself because I'd come in 20 minutes a game, and then the goal was if I if I went three of three from three, then I kind of made my contribution to the team. So it's kind of in my position, it was kind of stress free. Working in, I just I was a shooter, or I'd, I'd find some way set myself up for a shot or someone else. So it, it was a different role, but I kind of I kind of embraced it as a freshman. Charlie, you you played quite a bit your freshman year, your sophomore year. But there was a, a bold line between your sophomore year and your junior year. Your junior year, you came out, uh, you played 35 minutes a game, you started every game, and you scored over 600 points. Talk about that metamorphosis from your sophomore year 
to your junior year where you really became a very good college basketball player? It's weird to think about now just that, that kind of jump that you don't really expect. And ironically, it was the same thing in high school. As a sophomore, I played in high school. I played significant minutes, I'd say, but I probably averaged six points. And then as a junior, I was kind of the, the go-to option. I averaged 19 points. And then similar in college, as a sophomore, I had broken my foot prior to that year. And so it took me over half the season to kind of get healthy and moving again. And so I was kind of in a weird spot my sophomore year. And then that transition to junior year, I go from playing about 15 minutes a game on average to to 35 and absolutely worn out after every game. But no, it it was kind of a jump that, Actually, I would say if you if you were to talk to, to Coach Moore, it wasn't as surprising because a lot of the people in our locker room kind of believed that I had like the, the capabilities to do that, to be able to, to be a contributing starter. And that was, that was my goal. That's kind of what I focused on in the offseason was, okay, I'm going to be a junior and I'm, I'm an upper front. And now I have to find ways to lead and I have to find ways to contribute effectively. So. Well, you did. You made it. You definitely made a big jump. So let's stick with your junior year for a moment. You guys had, to me at least on paper, a pretty good nucleus. You had yourself, Jarrett Sons, Hayden Deaton, and then also uh, Logan Godfrey was a senior that year. But you you seemed to really struggle in the crossroads. And then this year, almost the same nucleus. Uh, you seemed to do better. Was there? What was the difference between your junior year and your senior year? It's complicated, but I would say. Logan Godfrey was a huge loss going into our, our senior year, an All-American player. But on the flip side, juniors became and sophomores became juniors. So yeah. Deaton became a junior. Uh, we have five we have five seniors now. And so we had kind of had been through the ringer, basically, of just getting our head speed in the crossroads league. Like, upperclassmen kind of decided, like, enough is enough. Uh, we have the talent to do well in this conference. But it is just about figuring it out. And what we noticed kind of on paper, the biggest difference is our ability to defend people. Our junior year, we, we put up great numbers, but the thing is we'd score 95 and give 105. We were able to defend better. We were more mature um, as a team because we had, we had five seniors. We had Dean as a junior, Matt Jennings coming back. And we were, we were able to lead a little more effectively as seniors. So that was, that was probably the biggest difference. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's the old joke, you know, the best thing about a sophomore is he becomes a junior, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, there, that was very true for us. There's nothing like experience, especially in a tough league like, you know, Crossroads or GPAC or Cascade Conference. I mean, you gotta you got to have some experience in those conferences to, to have success. So between your junior and senior year, you had an absolute legend that had recruited you. You had a, a great honor to play under Jim Kessler. He retires. Scott Moore, who you mentioned a couple times, had been with the program. He's an alumnus of the program. Uh, he took over. Talk about that transition. So with, with Coach K, Coach K was, is a phenomenal coach, and he is a phenomenal person. Um, he's, kinda, he's had one of the biggest impacts in my life in terms of spiritually, and it's um, just kind of the person that you want to be. He, he kind of leads by example in that regard. And so obviously Coach Moore is a little, a little bit younger, and I would say with Coach K leaving, the actual culture didn't change a ton. It was still foundationally pretty similar because Coach Moore played for Coach K. 
He had been around the program for a long time. And so our foundations didn't really change. There were just a few tweaks and adjustments that we made between my junior and senior year with adding, I think, a huge addition was Coach Widener, who had been who had been with Indian Wesleyan, yeah. very successful player, played in Canada. He added a different element to our team that we didn't necessarily have the prior year. And so that might be like the biggest change that we experienced. Um, having Coach Moore um, fill in for Coach K wasn't necessarily a huge change because we had him uh, the year before, but adding Widener was definitely – he gave a different perspective, which was which was something that we needed. So you came into this this season. There weren't a lot of expectations. Uh, you were picked preseason eighth. Uh, did that end up on the locker room wall, Charlie? It was discussed several times where we were picked. Yeah. You know, you came into the season. You probably were pretty determined. I know Coach Moore is extremely competitive guy. Uh, you you started out just a, a little up and down in the preseason, and you were three and three. You know, Charlie, tell me how you guys, what was the morale? How did you guys feel coming into Crossroads? We actually, we were not playing very good basketball at that time, to be honest, because we had just got back from Rio Grande, Ohio, and we had lost two games Right. Um, that I'm sure we, we would love to have back. But it took a lot of, it took a lot of practice hours to kind of transition into a point where we felt comfortable in how we stacked up in the Crossroads. So after... We, we had a lot of very competitive practices with – we'd split up in teams, and there'd be several times where guys on the second would beat us on the first team because we had, we had a couple of redshirt freshmen who are very talented. We had Miles Johnson, who had made a tremendous impact on our team in the second half of the season, and he only saw more and more minutes as the season went on. So we were still trying to figure things out with with my integrating miles with bringing matt jennings back into the team and then we had eddie gill go down a lot of moving parts at the beginning of the season where we were we probably weren't we hadn't hit our peak yet and so that, that was a good thing we started playing our best basketball towards the end of the season um and that's kind of how we made the national tournament so you went into league play as you mentioned it was a little bit up and down you know it's a it's a brutal schedule in the crossroad uh, you didn't. You never got on a, a long winning streak, but you got big wins when necessary. Kept you guys in the fight. Kept you guys in the national rankings. Uh, but Charlie, in my opinion, there was none bigger than a pair of road wins you got in early January. First, you had to go up Mishawaka, and you took on a really good Bethel team. Uh, talk about that that trip to in, into Bethel, taking on Trevion Cruz and and that group. Cruz might be one of the best players I've seen at the NAIA level, and Bethel had beat us the last seven times. So we we had never gotten a win against Bethel. But actually, I would say going into Mishawaka, we felt we felt pretty confident that we could beat them. And we come out guns blazing, and we have our we have Braxton Lindell hitting threes from the volleyball line, and it was just it was a wild game from start to finish. But no, we felt we felt pretty good going into Bethel. Because we had, we were able to get off on the right foot, beating Huntington, Taylor, and Goshen, mm-hmm. and so just to have some results under our belt, I really think that contributed greatly to how we felt going into going to the Bethel game. Yeah, that was a huge win. I apologize. I pronounce it's Travion, not Tra. I, I apologize. I pronounced it wrong, but you got the win there at Bethel. 
And then you had to go over to Fort Wayne to St. Francis, never an easy place to play. That game went into mm-hmm. overtime. You you scored a bucket late, and then you uh, you held them down the last three possessions. Uh, I love a defensive win. Talk about that game. No, that, that I remember that game being a little low scoring for our conference, and it was – I remember it being really physical. So I remember I, I caught the ball in the post several times. I thought I'd get fouled. They didn't call anything, and then I get called for a charge. It was one of those games, for, like individually – where I was never in any kind of groove, but those two games at Bethel and the St. Francis games, that was where Jared Sun was playing phenomenal basketball. I think he had, he had like 25 and 12 one yeah. game, and then he had a, another double-double with over 20 points in the St. Francis game. He was, he was terrific, and he really kept us in that game. And then in overtime, I think there were just a handful of points scored by both teams and, um, I remember Austin Compton, a guard for them, who started who started heating up a little bit, and he ended up taking their last shot, and Jared Sons was able to affect the shot a little bit, and it rimmed out. But it was an exciting game. It was one of the one of the tougher games and kind of rich games that we had to that we had to win. I thought those two games, being on the road, being against two premier opponents, uh, really gave you help helped you guys stay in the ratings uh, rankings and. Uh, hang on to that spot you know you talked about being on the road where's the toughest place in the crossroads league to play this is this is a no-brainer we it's, it's at huntington and we never beat huntington at their place wow. in four years and it wasn't it really wasn't that close my first two so my freshman year this is kind of the rude awakening to the crossroads league we come out and we get down almost 20 points in five or six minutes and they had a guard mike bush who was just terrific. He literally played the perfect game. He had, I think he had 25 points, 10 assists, didn't miss a shot, and zero turnovers. I mean, they, they almost played perfect. And so the next year they had, I remember, they had a stretch center who had a career night. He had 37 points and like eight threes. And so we didn't beat them then. Uh, Huntington by far was the toughest place. And it was it was cursed for us. It was, it was miserable. Yeah. Uh, Donington's gym. <laughs> so that was your favorite road trip. It sounds like. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Charlie, can you, uh, can you just talk a little bit about, uh, coach Moore? This is a guy who lives and breathes grace basketball. Like we mentioned before, alumnus of the program. He grew up in Columbia city. Just talk about what he's meant to that program. Yeah. So the, the more, the more brothers have more than roots in the, in the grace basketball program. So yeah, yeah. Coach Moore, and then you have Marcus and Matt, who also played for Coach Kessler. So the Moore brothers have been around for for a while now. But I would just say with with Coach Moore specifically, he uh, he's really really hard nosed, really competitive, and like you you start to see that more as he's transitioning into a head coach. That he he's one of the most competitive guys that I've met. We on road trips we played board games together or something, and he and I would just, we'd kind of just go at it just because we're both hyper-competitive and <laughs> we wanted to win really bad, uh, whatever it was. And then also, like, I, would, I just want to add with Coach Moore is that he's, he's one of the most relational people I've been around. So a lot of times he'll have players in his office. Like, he tries to do that weekly. Honestly, when I'm with Coach Moore now, we, we hardly talk about basketball. It's more about life stuff. And so he's kind of been one of those fathers away from home i would say 
uh, during my four years at Grace. So he's been he's had a tremendous impact on my life, and um, I've got nothing but praise for him and Coach Kessler. No, absolutely. You're talking about a couple couple of very good men there. Uh, you know, Charlie, you're known for your offensive firepower. Who's the toughest defender you faced in the crossroads? Joel Okafor from Indian Wesleyan. He graduated last year. Was just a bowling ball. He was he was a rock of muscle. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, he's about six feet tall, and he's about two hundred pounds of just pure muscle. And whenever he guarded me, I I did not move him. And then another really great defender in the league was Jeremiah Roberts for Mount Vernon Nazarene. And what he would do, he would take turns guarding me and Hayden Deaton. And it was a breath of fresh air when he was not guarding me. <laughs> Hayden had to deal with him. Um, but those, those were two great defenders. That well, come to mind. Those are two great examples. Hey, Charlie, I know you don't want to do it, but we got to talk about the Taylor game. So you get into the conference playoffs, and you guys were playing really good ball at this point. Taylor had played a good game against you. I think you were down by 9 or 10 with you know under 10 to go. And then you guys started making a, a comeback. I think everybody knows the story, but Ma- uh, Mason Degenkolb, he scored seven points down the stretch. He hit some free throws, put him up by three, five seconds to go, and then talk about you come up to court. Did you think you had a, a chance to, to tie it up? <laughs> yeah, so the funny thing is um, I shoot one half-court shot a day after practice with, with our team manager, and I always shoot it off. So we're down three. I actually expected them to foul when I caught it. And by catching, I take one or two dribbles going up the the left sideline, and I think Mason is coming to foul me. And so I change direction, and there's about two and a half seconds left, and I just just want to get a shot up. And it's kind of one of those shots that I practice one one time after every practice, and uh, it just happened to go in when I – my hand, I, I knew it was online. They're not able to foul. Warner's going to fire up a three, and he had it! Got it! We're in overtime! 1.6 seconds remaining. I couldn't have tell, told you if it was going in <laughs> confidently. But then I make the shot. We're tied now at like 88 all or something. And then Mason, when he catches it, he just kind of he flicks it from over three quarters. And... um I hardly even look at it, and I, I turn around. Dagan Cobb's going to fire up a full quarter, and it's good! He hit it! Was it after the buzzer? And it's just it's nothing but net. doesn't even touch the rim. I'm thinking to myself, what in the world just happened? Because I mean, I didn't even digest what would, what just happened with Tom up because we had been down the whole game in the second half. And so it's kind of one of those just forced overtime, and we could steal one here. And then they inbound it to Mason. He throws up that, and then uh, the next day he's being, he's being Facetimed by ESPN. And I was like, <laughs> "You guys kidding?" Did you ever think that was the way you'd get on Sports Center? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was and right now. It's, it's bitter. Um, I I can't watch the clip anymore. <laughs> I watched it that night uh, just to see if Mason had gotten off the shot, which, and it was hilarious because we had our announcers calling the game and they're showing up on sports center and um, a bunch of people on social media are, are talking about our announcers calling the game like and then uh, Mason obviously makes that shot. And it's just, it's one of those things where I have, I have since the night that it really happened. 
but it, it makes a good story now, I guess, uh, with everything being with being over. Mason was one of those guys that he grew up in Tipton, which is about 20, 25 minutes away from, from Westfield. And so I've been playing against him since fifth, sixth grade. And, of course, that's the way uh, my career ends and the way our, our season ends. Well, you know what, Charlie? I'd love to tell you you'd get over it, but but I had a play go wrong when I was 11 years old in Little League that would have won the game. And and my I wouldn't get out of the car, and my dad came out and uh, when we got home, and he said, get in the house. He goes, in 10 years, you're going to laugh about this. I'm going to tell you right now, it's been 50 years, and that moment still ticks me off. So I'd love to say that you're going to get over it, but if you're anything like me, you'll remember it forever. Oh, absolutely. It was part of history, though, and uh, – you get ready to go to Sioux Falls. How did how did you feel about your matchup with West Virginia Tech? A good team. West Virginia Tech was a very good team. Um, they were they played extremely unselfishly. They were well coached. They were actually similar to us because they clicked a little later in the season. Uh, both teams coached by a new young coach. We had some odd similarities, even though we played a little different. But they were. They were very good because they were they were very different from a crossroads team. Um, they were a little smaller, a little quicker, um, and so we expected them to press us. But what we liked about our matchup was being able to post our our guards like Miles or D or or me, and then Jared. I feel like they would have a tough time matching up with our size, and then we were going to have to do um, dribble penetration. So it would have been a very interesting game, I think. Now, I can tell you, for one, I was very disappointed. I think anybody who followed me at all knows that that was the game I was looking forward to. I had called out uh, both Coach Moore as well as Coach Long down at West Virginia Tech. I thought they were the two best young new coaches in the country. Uh, very similar teams, not much expected of them early on, but they just kept surprising people. So it's a little, that's one of my big disappointments of that, that tournament is that we didn't get to see that matchup. Yeah. So talk about that moment that you found out no more basketball. Yeah, it was, man, it was it was crazy because we show up to the to the arena about two hours prior to tip point. Ben and I had ruled that only family members would be allowed, and so the rest of the teams are around the outside practice court. There's about there's about eight of them, and then um, so we're waiting there for a little bit. And then I see Tanner Rubio from Indian Wesleyan come over, and he's talking to, to Coach Weiner for our team. He's not. He's kind of. He's heard rumors about the tournament getting canceled because the Big Ten had just canceled, ACC canceled, uh, the Big East had just kind of like pulled off uh, Creighton and St. John. Kind of my stubbornness. I'm like, we're going to play this tournament because we've got. We only have family members, and we already have the teams here. We just have the parade of champions, and so exactly. I'm thinking we're going to finish this. But then. Uh, I was more on the phone with his, with his twin brother Marcus next to him, and it didn't look good, just the facial expression. Um, and it turns out he had been on the phone with our athletic director, athletic director um, Chad Briscoe. And so we weren't – I wasn't sure exactly what was going on, but Coach Moore gets on the phone. He pulls us, he pulls us aside, um, and he could, he could hardly get the words out. And he just, he just, he just says, season's over canceled tournament and um it was almost like someone had had died um just the way our team took it because we had players who had been through a lot of adversity in our first 
three years. And it was kind of one of those things where, and we spent four years working to get to this national tournament. We got here, we practiced for three or four days, and then to see that kind of stripped away to have any opportunity to play, it was tough. It was tough for me. And I think we had kind of had a different story than a lot of those blue bloods like Indian Wesleyan, Naz, Morningside. We were kind of like the underdogs in a lot of ways trying to get back to what Grace basketball is about. And to kind of see that unfold the way it did, it was tough. It was, it was tough to comprehend that our last practice had been the day before and our last game had been over two weeks ago. It was, it was just weird, weird situation. Yeah, it was just a, I, I don't think there's anything I can add to that. It was just extremely sad. There's no other word for it, especially for seniors. Yeah. Uh, so, Charlie, you're 4.0 student. You're majoring in accounting. Talk about uh, what's life for you after Grace basketball. Yeah, so right now I'm kind of jumping through commitments a little bit. Um, I'm currently actually studying for the CPA exam because I have um, – a job lined up in, in the indie area with the, with the public accounting firm that I'm excited for. Um, and then I'm kind of, kind of toying around with the idea of trying to play overseas somewhere. But right now I'm really, I've been in contact with coach Moore about that. And so right now my, my life outside of grace best juggling a couple of things. Um, and then obviously what everyone's going through right now, is just kind of like quarantining yourself and, and trying to stay safe. So it's, it's odd time of odd time of life right now, but right now I'm trying to make the most of it. You know, you might you you talk about maybe playing overseas. You know, they love a they love a guy who can shoot the long ball. They you got to be able to shoot to play over there, so you might have a chance. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, like you say, everything's up in the air, but you've got a very good education uh, to back you up. I you know everybody has to have that because uh, I always say basketball ain't going to be there forever. But right. Well, you might, you know, might might as well take a shot at it. You don't know. You don't want to look back when you're 50 and and say what if. Yeah, no doubt. Just, just kind of seeing what's happening right now. Well, whatever you end up doing, I certainly wish you the best of luck. I really enjoyed uh, following Grace this this season. And I, uh, Charlie, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, Bill. I appreciate it.